and a very warm welcome again to the Football Attic. My name's Chris Oakley. And my name's Rich Johnson. And it's uh, our pleasure once again to bring you uh, an hour or so of general reminiscence uh, on the subject of football nostalgia, as we always attempt to do on these podcasts. Uh, Rich, how's things with you on that there northern hemisphere? <laughs> the northern hemisphere. You make it sound like <laughs> I'm in touch Yorkshire and all that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just going all right here. I've got a nice day off because I'm sitting around waiting for a new bed to arrive. So, you know, just thought I'd share that there for the podcast. Yeah. You can see that I'm living the dream. (laughs) The most glamorous football podcast on the web, apparently they said in the Times last week, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Okay, Uh, yes, um, things are are all right here, I think, in New Zealand, I'm happy to say, although um, I think we're over the peak of summer now, so... You know, temperatures may drop below 25 degrees any day now, I'm sorry to say. Oh, you poor thing, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dear, better shut up now and quit while I'm ahead. Uh, dear. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we, uh, as ever, take one particular topic within the realms of football nostalgia and discuss that at length throughout. And uh, the topic of this podcast is going to be World Cup memories. Uh, it occurred to me not so long ago uh, when I was watching one of those kind of clip shows on TV that was showing uh, all bits and pieces, the best best and the worst moments from the World Cup, I think it was, that um, you know, whenever you see a great World Cup goal being scored or you see uh, highlights from one of the great World Cup matches, chances are you tend to say to yourself, I remember where I was when I saw that, or I remember who I was with or what I was doing when that goal went in. So I thought, well, why not let's just extrapolate that into a full hour of dialogue. Uh, I may uh, regret that idea uh, as time goes on, but I'm sure we'll be fine. So, um, so that's why we're here. And to that end, I'm going to throw the first question at you, Rich, uh, seeing as I'm on presenting duties on this uh, occasion. Um, can you remember the first sort of image, World Cup-related image, that ever kind of entered your head as you were growing up, the first time you would have been at all in any way aware of what the World Cup was? Um, I'd say the first ever memory that's connected to a World Cup um, is not Mexico 86. Um, <laughs> My God. It's actually... So- Spain 82 I had no idea what it was but all I remember is and I've still got this on tape somewhere but no I'm not going to put it on the podcast um, on the back of Looking magazine I think it was they had the lyrics to the English and Scottish um, <laughs> the, what like the, the, the records song. they brought out at the time records oh, remember man. those kids no you don't um, <laughs> vinyl and it was, uh, it was, was it was it all the way no that was the 88 one wasn't no, it, it was um, this time wasn't it that's, that's right, right. the English one was right. this time and the Scottish one was um was it John St. Clair reading it out? I think it was. Ooh, I was reading out was some it? poem or something. Um, Good lord. That's not, and me, not something me, I'm familiar with. Me and my brother actually recorded our own versions of it. <laughs> complete, with, <laughs> with, complete with sort of children's Scottish accents as well. Obviously not for the English one. That would have been just weird. Um, oh dear. But I didn't do the English one. My brother did it and I've still got it on tape somewhere. But like I said, there's no way I'm putting that in the podcast. Or right. am I... Um, let's let's stop the bidding we could have an auction for this (laughs) yeah exactly so that's my first ever memory Um, I I had no idea what it was about I just remember and I remember the England kit and that was it and I I don't remember Mm. anything else because my parents didn't like sport at all so I don't even remember seeing any any sort of like you know they used to watch the news a lot so you'd have thought Mm. I'd have seen the results on the news or clips from it but I don't remember anything of it. I just, I, mean, I just remember being aware that England were playing in something, and that was it. It's like the mm. Euro '84 as well. I remember nothing of that. I don't because, mm. excuse me, like I say, as my parents didn't watch football, they they just didn't like it at all. They would never watch it. So any football, I was not aware of. So right. I'm, I was deprived, is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> and how old were you have been when uh, when you were recording um, <laughs> rip offs of popular music? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is. A, I'm just waiting for Last that year. call. I'm waiting for the for the call from the PRS any second. Now. <laughs> um, I Can't be arranged. Been, I would have been seven at the time. Seven. Ah, oh, yeah. bless. Ah, oh, bless my little stupid voice at seven. <laughs> I must admit, I don't. I mean, I'd like to think I'm kind of across many things with regards to football nostalgia, but I, that's a complete blind spot for me. This Scottish World Cup song of which you speak, I shall have to Google that when we're finished. Um, it started. It started with the lines, "I awoke in the night with a fever, and the sky was a darkish blue." I think that was, and then at that point, my brother went, "Blue sky," or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh dear. Either that, or we both did. I can't remember. I can't remember who was doing the main narration on it uh, for for mine and my brother's version. <laughs> Do you know? I'm almost regretting I ever brought the subject up. But uh, anyway, I knew we'd coat it out of you. We're talking about this for the next half an hour. In fact, I'm going to go. I'm going to sing it. I'm not really. <laughs> oh, God, please, please, <laughs> let's just kind of get some momentum going here before we lose all our so, listeners. So it's moving on quickly. Then. So, what was yours then, Chris? What was when did you first become aware of the World Cup and its, you know, FIFA loveliness? Um, ironically, I would have been um, six going on seven, almost seven, a bit like yourself. And uh, so that means... Um, 66, those... wasn't it? <laughs> Not that old, thank you. Yes. Um, if you'd have been listening in on previous podcasts, you'll have heard me mention that I was born in 71. So that means um, uh, basically it was the 78 World Cup. I, I, um, I remember... I've, I only have two very, very hazy memories of the 78 World Cup. One of them was the iconic image of all the uh, ticker tape and all the uh, uh, confetti and stuff being thrown onto the pitch, um, which I think I'm right in saying the BBC um, cleverly incorporated into their opening title sequence for uh, World Cup grandstand, I suppose it would have been back then. Because um, I think what they tried to do as they were going along was whenever like a good goal was scored or some funny kind of clip uh, emerged, they would then kind of add that into the following day's um, opening title sequence. And I think that's what they did. Maybe that's where I saw that confetti stuff going on. So that was one. I remember seeing that on a TV. And another one I saw on TV, I think it was the last goal in the final. Um, and I'll probably, um, this is very sketchy, because uh, I should have checked this before we started. But um, I think it was Mario Kempes who sort of dribbled the ball into the penalty area. Started off really well. And sort of started weaving in amongst sort of a couple of players, and then the goalkeeper rushed out, and it all kind of ground to halt a bit. All these Dutch defenders suddenly descended upon him, but somehow he managed to kind of scramble it through and bundled it in. And I seem to remember seeing that on the TV then on that night, and thinking to myself, "Well, that was a pretty crap goal for a World <laughs> Cup final, wasn't it?" And of course, now as an adult, I look at that and think, "My God, he did tremendously well to get the ball through that big crowd of players." But I was really um, disparaging back at the age of six. Um, so those are the, my two only very hazy memories of of the uh, of the seventy eight World Cup. I genuinely didn't see any of the matches or anything like that. It was it was eighty two. That was the first World Cup really that um, I in any way embraced properly as a kid. Because by then I was then into football. Um, I don't think I really got into football until I was probably about eight or nine. I'm, I'm guessing, uh, and you know, being aware of all that was going on back then. Um, so I mean. I mean, we could go through this kind of in, in chronological order, but I think in some ways it might be fun just to kind of randomly pick a, let's say, pick a World Cup or uh, a specific moment in a World Cup and, and just kind of come out with anecdotes. Now, what, what, let's say 
rich because I'm being kind and benevolent. How about we start off with 86 sinners? That's your your, your that's the the pass in for this podcast. Um, <laughs> your the the World Cup that really kind of got you switched on to the whole thing. Um, give us a give us an anecdote. I mean, do you remember that, for instance, like when the world when the 86 World Cup started? Did you see the opening match, or did you kind of get into the whole thing further on into the competition? I, I had absolutely no idea it was taking place. Um, and again, like I say, because I, and the, the bizarre thing is, it, thinking about it, you know, whenever there's a tournament on, programs get moved around. So things like Coronation Street get moved, you know, much to the chagrin of my mother, you know, kind of, <laughs> God, I have to move it like half an hour. It's like, waste football yes, on. Yes, mother, it's like once every four years. Yeah, but this is on every bloody day. Why can't they just meet? Why they move the football? You know, it's like, she doesn't talk like that. I just like to point that out, you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a parody of my mother for anyone that knows that. You don't. Very good, um, good brother. So, so I had no idea that it was happening um, until, I, again, I happened to see the news and it was... Um, it was late one night, and uh, I saw the news bulletin, and it was when Russia beat um, oh, Hungary six nil. Yeah, six nil. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember because obviously, I think I, I don't think it was um, in the sports bulletin. I think they might have brought it forward or something because it was such mm. a, a thrashing. Um, and mm. I remember watching it, and you know, it was all sunny, and uh, and right. just seeing these horrendous pitches, and just watching <laughs> these goals going in. And there were some pretty spectacular goals, I think, in that That's match right. as well, some from quite a long range. Yeah, and I just remember thinking, oh, right, okay. And I uh, think, oh, this <laughs> is quite good. And then... Um, and then I think the following night, or, or sort of around the same time, there was um, the Denmark one where they beat Uruguay six mm. one. And I was thinking, yes. "Wow, this is good!" You know, "Wow, <laughs> look at this football that they're doing!" You know, uh, with, with lots of goals, I believe they're called um, <laughs> stuff and so, did in this country. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, but the thing is, I, I must have been getting into football at this point. I mean, my family were from Liverpool. Uh, half my family, my mum's side. Um, so I'd, I'd kind of been forced to be a Liverpool supporter for years, hmm. and. I think I'd watched the 85 and 86, uh, sorry, the 85-86 FA Cup final, which was obviously before the World Cup. So I was clearly mm. already getting interested in it. And uh, mm. I'd actually, I missed the second half of that uh, because I got told off because at half time I went upstairs and was sneakily reading my brother's diary. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I got told off and I missed all but about the last 15 minutes of the second half. Um <laughs> But so, so I must have been getting into it, but because I, I, I know they'd given me some photos as well from when they won the '84 Milk Cup, so I clearly had some interest in it. But I just, it, I think that was it. Then it was like seeing these sort of spectacular goals and kind of like, mm. what's this? You know, what's a World Cup? What's countries playing each other? And then at that mm. point, I just started watching it, and I think it was it coincided with England needing to beat Poland. And so oh, there was yes. like a, there was yeah. an actual you know even though it was a group match there was an actual there was like, oh my, wow you know England are in this and it's like no no that we could be going out so <laughs> so so I <laughs> actually sat down it. and I think that was probably the first full match that I ever watched really it was um, so I sat down and watched that and my parents were really good considering this was in the day when you only had four channels you know it's like <laughs> it's, it's not like the, the or, or no skybox you couldn't just record stuff later so I was allowed to watch the football which was quite quite a thing mm. really so I watched it and 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 of course it was you know England three Poland and that was it I was just hooked by that point mm. so so that that was kind of my first ever proper sort of world cup memory mm. but um i'm not going to be benevolent now chris what was your what's a random one from your from your memory uh a random one from my memory um well i'll st- i'll go back to 82 then in that case um, um i remember walking home from school one day this is another one that kind of makes me smile really i i can remember walking home from the aforementioned thamesview junior school the, the second mention for my school having mentioned it on the last podcast i think it was we did um 
uh, and it was like a sunny day, it would have been a, sort of June, and I remember kind of turning the corner into my road and thinking, there's football on, there's World Cup football on TV this afternoon, can you believe it? And I was just like incredibly excited at the prospect, like you say, of like international teams uh, and this whole notion of you know, groups of teams and, and England obviously were in it again and for the first time in donkey's years. So um, uh, that that's a kind of a, a, an early uh, memory I had from 82. Um, but I didn't, I think, I didn't really see the first few games of 82. I think it wasn't really until, I remember Algeria beating West Germany vaguely. That was quite a, quite a big deal. Um, and then the next, probably the next thing after that, here's a bit of an obscure thing. Um, near where I lived, there was this place, this sort of building, if you like, which was like a combination of a, it was like a cross between a pub and a community hall. It had kind of all sorts of, like a big hall where you could have everything from like local, you know, ballroom dancing for the local kind of elderly neighbourhood and uh, to, um, you could have discos in there, they'd have cabaret nights and getting all these kind of two-bit comedians to come down and whatever, singers and stuff. And then you also had like a bar area um, where... Yeah, your, your mum and dad could go and have a have a drink, and indeed, like lots of you know local people, aunts and uncles and mine would tend to go down there on a on a Friday night or a, or a Sunday night. And um, there was one night that um, my mum and dad went out. It was a Sunday night, I think, and they were around in the bar area having having a drink. I was hanging around with all these other kids of my age, and I say I would have been about I don't know ten or something at the time, nine or ten. And I remember somebody on a on a tannoy system saying. Ah, oh, uh, I've just heard that um, uh, Hungary have beaten El Salvador 10-1 in the World Cup. And I remember sort of thinking, did he say 10? He must have said 10, otherwise he wouldn't have like, you know, switched the microphone on and broadcast it to the whole of this building, all these people sitting around drinking beer and stuff. That was kind of a, an odd one, because uh, <laughs> basically teams didn't score 10. That was, the, you know, certainly not in Sabutio, because the scoreboard only went up to nine, as we've already mentioned. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, so that. And then the next thing I probably would have remembered in the 82 World Cup was, I think, the, the, the first England match and, against France. And, and I can remember laying on the on the floor of my front room watching... Brian Robson scoring after 27 seconds and feeling tremendously proud of the fact that you know this England now held the record for the fastest goal like for what that's worth but um of course England started really well in that competition it was quite a big big deal which suddenly you're, you're thinking that you know, might have a chance of winning this competition if we play our cards right so um so there was that and the only other thing I'll just mention on 82 before I hand back to you was um on a similar sort of alcoholic themed <laughs> Um, uh, line of inquiry here. I, uh, it was I can remember where I found out. Remember the the thing about Northern Ireland beating Spain one nil, uh, the big shock of that. Well, I was in the back on the back seat of my dad's uh, Ford Cortina Mark II. Uh, he had a sky blue one, uh, which you'd be pleased to hear. Um, <laughs> being a Coventry fan, um, back in the day, my mum once a week, one night a week, would go off and play bingo at this uh, this. Uh, pub that was about two miles away from where we lived and uh, they had like a room out the back where all the, all the old biddies would go and play bingo and basically what the deal was that my me, uh, me and my dad would give my mum a lift in the car drop her off and then come home again um, and then go and pick her up later on you'll be pleased to hear um, and um, basically I remember we were driving back home having dropped my mum off and he, dad had the radio on radio two and it's, 
I can't remember who was commentating, but he was getting very animated, and that was the that was the Northern Ireland goal. I didn't see it on TV at the time, but I distinctly remember hearing hearing it on the radio and thinking, "Wow, you know, Northern Ireland beating Spain, <laughs> good one, excellent." So, um, so there's a few sort of 1982 sort of memories, really, uh, for me. Uh, do you want to do you want to pick one from say I don't know 1990? Do you want to go on to 1990? 1990. Well, here we go. Well, this would be the first World Cup that I was now fully into football, and so was highly anticipating this one. I was really looking forward to it, and mm. having absolutely—I might have mentioned—loved Mexico '86. You know, <laughs> um, the Italian '90 for me was a, it was a real mix of things because the opening was just awesome mm. because it yeah. it combined one of my favourite world uh, stadiums across the world, the uh, the San Siro, the mm-hmm. Giuseppe Miazza. Um, <laughs> As I believe, I've probably got that wrong anyway, it's probably Miazia or something, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, but it combined that, and I was, I was I remember being absolutely blown away with that, um, because even though the stadiums or stadia in Mexico were big, <clears throat> they were all kind of, you know, most of them were from the 70s, I don't think they actually yeah. upgraded any of them from the 1970 World Cup, because they didn't need to. No. Um, but And I just remember being absolutely blown away by the San Siro and the, like, the huge girders on the top. It was like architecture mm. I'd, I'd just not seen before. So I, there yeah. was that aspect of it. But also the theme tune that ITV had, oh. the uh, Tutti oh. al Mundo, was just fantastic. <laughs> I love I absolutely, that. Yeah, I've, st- I've still got that. I actually had that on 7-inch, so I bought it the very next day. Because wow. it was brilliant. So I've Get still you. got that somewhere. I've since found it on... Uh, I mean, the, 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 as soon as the internet was invented, I just went looking for it. <laughs> Great that's the problem. Do you know that's one of the problems with the internet, isn't it? All these things that you treasure from your childhood, and it's like, it's like I know I've got these things somewhere. It's like, but it's recently, like with two Sabutio catalogues that I've got from from my childhood, I know I've got them somewhere, but I don't know where they are. So I, I just bought them off eBay again. It's just all these things that you think, oh, these are real treasures, you know, kind of. A, it's like, and then no, so I could just go and buy them again if I want. Um, but yeah, so so the theme tune was just fantastic, and yeah. like I said, I've said before, suck it, Pavarotti, you were nothing on Rod Argent's brilliant theme tune. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, is unfortunately the B side to that single was I think his his theme tune for the Athletics at the time, which was pretty oh, pretty right. lame, really. Okay. Um, but yeah, so there was that, and it, I just remember being absolutely staggered. And then, of course, Argentina lost to, Cam- uh, to Cameroon, and it was like, mm. wow, what a start to the tournament. And then my my main memories of that were because it was happening, um, the times were different, because, of course, it was now in Europe. And I, I, I was still this naive person that didn't quite understand that, you know, times would be different despite the fact that it's in different parts of the world. So... I think most of the uh, the games and the uh, the first one usually kicked off about four o'clock. I think it was, mm-hmm. so I would get home from school and be able to watch it all, which was brilliant. Um, but it, it was weird watching football at four o'clock. Um, and I think the other one I remember was when Scotland lost to Costa Rica. I remember that one very clearly. <laughs> yes. And and again in uh, Genoa's um, brand new stadium that they had, and again the the stadium for me at, at Italian ninety was just some of it was just awesome. And I think yeah. when I covered the um, the football grounds of Europe book on the blog, I think I mentioned that quite a lot because obviously uh, that was written just before, so that was the mm. main chapter, the opening chapter of it. Um, but I was also disappointed because for me one of the things I'd loved about Mexico was because it was in the summer um, and it was all mm. sunny because it was in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, yeah. apart from a couple of days where I think it rained, um, and it was all bright and sunshiny, and yet mm. an Italian 90, when the time we got to the evening games, it was dark and all <laughs> floodlights, and I was like, this isn't what a World Cup should be, a World Cup exactly. should be like sunny, it should be played in the sun, you know, midday, so that people <laughs> are fainting from stuff. Um, you <laughs> no, know, it's a, entertain that is a, me. 
That is a very good observation. I, I share that completely. I've, I've, all, I've, I've thought that many times in the past, especially as a kid, sort of thinking, you know, like we're just playing the sunshine. Surely we all, we're all agreed on this that the playing out in the, in the bright sunshine in you know hundred degree heat is is in everybody's best interest. So just do that. You know, don't mind the occasional nighttime game, but like, come on. Yeah, this yeah. isn't right. This is a World Cup. God damn it! Come on, FIFA. <laughs> If you can give the damn thing to sort of some Middle East country that's never really got any footballing uh, sort of history, you can do this. Yeah. yeah. If you can build giant air-conditioned air stadiums, move the sun. All right. <laughs> Put the sun over that stadium now. Um, so I remember being really disappointed by it because it was like, oh, it's not quite got the same atmosphere. And of course, Italia yeah. '90 wasn't a particularly great World Cup footballing-wise. No. Um, it was very defensive and you know very, very negative. I mean, the final was just god awful. Oh um, dear, yes. Um, and but obviously at the same time you had England doing really well. Well, well oh. starting off pretty ropily <laughs> and then stumbling through the rounds and eventually being lauded as heroes. A bit like yeah. Euro '96 then, really. <laughs> um, you know, yes. wow, tactical genius. Not really. Let's let's review it with a cold light of day. We weren't that good. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember. I just, yeah, I was just going to say. I remember that those was it. We we sort of um, lost to. I don't know, hang on, no, it was, it was all a bit sort of tight, wasn't it, in the group? Because uh, it was like <coughs> yeah. Holland, I- Ireland and Egypt and, uh, yeah. It was drew just, with it Holland, drew with Ireland and beat <laughs> Egypt 1-0. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and Ireland go through in second by drawing lots. That was a comical bit for me. I can remember, remember um, it, I don't know, again, whether it was like World Cup Grandstand or World Cup Match of the Day or whatever they called it at the time, but I remember this big kind of... Uh, discussion going on before the final round of matches in that group and like the likes of Jimmy Hill and, and Des Lynham sort of saying you do realise that if certain results happen tonight then the whole group could be exactly level and I just thought Good, what are the chances of that happening that would just like the, the world would implode if <laughs> if everyone finishes on the same gold difference and points but of course England luckily escaped that whole farce uh, but, uh, yeah. I actually saw something recently I think it was um I think it was on a When Saturday Comes link, and it was um, it was something about also oh, it was like a, a sort of link that just said, um, "Oh, I see, no one's yet bothered buying the DVD of this particular tournament." And I think it was the Kirin Cup, <laughs> and there were three teams in it in a group match, and all three matches were nil nil. So, so no goals, no points. Uh, well, no, obviously one point each for the team. And it's like this oh, yeah. table with like stats across it that were absolutely uniform. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. <coughs> uh, I, yeah, I remember. Um, oh, sorry, go on. No, that's right. You carry on, mate. I was just going to say. Yeah, the, I remember where I was when the 1990 World Cup started. Cause I've, I don't know about you. I'm sure I probably speak for most people, really. But the opening game of a World Cup is like a really big thing, certainly for me. I just it's it's it embodies the whole kind of optimism that you have that you know that. Like from this day forward, there's going to be like a month's worth of football, and it's going to be you know teams that teams you support, teams you've never heard of, teams that are good that sometimes are bad, and vice versa. And it's just that whole expectation thing. I love the opening game. It just is. I always look forward to it. I remember the 1990 one because I happened to be on a family holiday uh, on that day. It was a Friday, I think, the first match, and um, my mum and dad, bless them, um, were quite keen on taking. Uh, myself and my sister on family holidays to uh, Pontins holiday camps uh, or uh, holiday camps of a similar ilk, it has to be said. And um, we would go every couple of years to one Pontins place or another, you know, 
on the in the southeast coast or the or uh, sorry on the east coast rather places like Great Yarmouth and, and stuff like that. I can't remember which one we were at at this on at this particular time, but it was the end of the sort of week that we'd been away, and it was a Friday night. And typically, we'd, you know, of an evening, you'd go off and have your evening meal in one of these kind of uh, restaurant places. Um, but I knew that on that Friday night, the World Cup was starting. It was, it was the opening ceremony, and then you had Argentina versus Cameroon. So I said to my mum and dad and my sister, "You, you feel free to go off, have your have your dinner. Uh, I'm not going. I'm staying right here in my chalet, <laughs> and I'm going to watch this tiny little colour portable TV, and I'm damn well watching the football. So um, I'll see you later then. And off they went. And, of course, the first thing was the, the, the theme tune, as you said, on ITV, which is just like unbelievably good and say nothing of the animated title sequence um oh oh yes um bouncing balls (laughs) that's right yeah and stick men made of lego um uh i've just gone off onto a complete reverie now um but then of course the match took place and you had you know two cameroon players getting sent off you had cameroon scoring uh diego maradona looking completely bewildered by the whole thing and I just remember when the game finished thinking, that was just absolutely incredible. I, I didn't ever think there was a, the remotest chance that I was going to sit here tonight watching Cameroon, like only their second ever World Cup, beating Argentina, reigning champions. And I remember kind of going off afterwards to find my dad and sort of saying, you'll never guess what happened. And he didn't care because he wasn't much of a football fan, but um, but it meant a lot to me. So that I, that it's completely ingrained on my memory of that one. Um, I, think the other, I think one of the other disappointments that I had for Italian 90... <clears throat> um, came out of that match actually and that was seeing Argentina's kit because I yeah. loved their 86 kit and I remember watching <laughs> uh, and thinking the 1990 kit looked really really old fashioned it's like a really thick v-neck um, yeah. and just kind of just boring they've gone back to having the blue stripe in the middle I was really disappointed <laughs> but then I bought it the other day so I can't really moan about it yeah. no, no. you've got a very keen eye for detail with that kind of thing it has to be said yeah, the, the word is anal, Chris. <laughs> it's not keen. Do you notice how I stopped there prematurely? Just uh, yes. yes. <laughs> um, now you're you're absolutely right. There, the 1990 World Cup. There were. I mean, you said you said earlier on actually about the fact that it was. It's it's always good watching World Cup matches in during the sort of daytime wherever it happens to be held, and you got the sunshine and all that. And that's why um, my some of my favourite matches from 1990 were the ones in the group stages because of course then they have to kind of cram in all the games and they do tend to play them in the uh, uh, during the daytime because they figure that you know who the hell is going to want to watch you know United Arab Emirates against you know Belgium or somebody like you know so they when, when it gets to the, the the business end then they put them on in peak time in the evenings I suppose that's the way the the logic works but I just remember seeing. Um, Rene Higita playing for Colombia early on in that nine, in that competition. That was on a Saturday, if I remember. Uh, was it Colombia against? Or oh, I probably can't remember now. Uh, but of course, he ended up um, with egg on his it was face. Cameroon. Was it Cameroon? It was, yeah. Because Roger uh, Miller that scored. Yes, that's right. Exactly. So ninety-two-year-old seeing... Roger Miller, <laughs> who claims apparently he's thirty-one. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. He gets younger every year. <laughs> Um, and yeah, there's a few other games like the, I think the United States are in that one as well, which was a bit of a novelty. It's always I always find it quite fun to sort of watch the new teams playing in their first World Cup, just to sort of see if they uh, make a good or a bad job of things, I suppose. But uh, and so, what, what of 1994 then? I suppose that's that was the really bizarre one, being in in America and the way that they they did did things over there. What was your what was your view when you were seeing that firsthand? Well, 
I really liked USA 94. For me, it was um, it was great because it was back in that continent, you know, that sort of time zone. So mm-hmm. it meant sun. Yeah. And it was America, so it meant sun. You know, so, <laughs> so for me, the one thing that I cared about in World Cup, sod the football, what's the weather, you know. But, um, but sa- course, save, save this, just to write it up as a blog article, it would be great, <laughs> honest. Yeah. How the yeah. sun affects my view of the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, famous World Cup weather. On top five, um, sun, light drizzle, um, and uh, well, the the funny thing is, I I watched the opening match of that in the pub because oh. now I was I was eighteen, of drinking or was I nineteen? What yeah. year was it? Nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I was nineteen by now. So I was I was just finished my first year at uni, um, and I was in the pub with my brother and his friends. Um, I couldn't hear the game because the the pub had the sound turned down. It for anyone that knows it, it was the Colin Campbell. Um, <laughs> oh yes. Um, yeah, yeah, you know the Colin Campbell. <laughs> it's now known as just the Campbell or the Scream. It's one of their chain pubs. Oh. Um, but uh, back in the day, it was a nice little hole, you know, with a, a TV. And uh, I remember watching it there, and I think it, then when Germany beat Bolivia 1-0 in that horrendous kit that they had. <laughs> um, but the great thing about that, the great thing about the opening day for me <clears throat> was getting home and then watching... Oh, who was it? Is it Spain and South Korea, I think it was, that mm. played at like 2 o'clock yep. in the morning or something. <laughs> and uh, South Korea equalised in the 90th minute or something. And I remember I had the headphones on plugged into the telly and I leapt out of my chair, nearly <laughs> ripping my ears out because like, they were like the little in-ear things. And it's like yeah. as I leapt up, I think I stood on the wire because it was a long wire. And then he ripped the damn ripped my ears <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, dear. Just, what a vivid picture you paint there. Uh Actually, funny you mentioned about the whole two o'clock in the morning thing because um, in in my wisdom at the time, uh, the job that I was, uh, where I was working, I decided because I was by that stage a, a real connoisseur of the world game that I, I announced proudly at work that I will be taking the first two weeks of the World Cup off because, as you may or may not know, a lot of the games will be taking place in the early hours of the morning, uh, Greenwich Mean Time, British Summer Time, whatever it was. Uh, so therefore, I will need to stay up that late. And so, um, uh, you know, I don't want to have to get up and come to work in the following morning. So um, I'm having two weeks off. Thanks. And off I went. Um, but uh, and fine. Sounds all very good. But um, I can remember the first there was that first night, as you say, there was a there was a game in the early hours. And the following day, because I'd stayed up so late till God knows what hour of the morning, um, I got up late the following day um, and didn't have enough sleep, but decided again, you know, evening number two of the tournament, I'll, I'll stay up again to the early hours of the morning for whatever game that was. By about day three, I, I felt like I was jet lagged because I just I was having sleep deprivation. All my kind of daylight hours were t- turned on their heads because I was staying up so late. And in the end, by about day three, I just decided I'm just going to record the games and then watch them the following day. <laughs> and that turned out to be a far more uh, easier schedule for me to follow. I, actually, I did exactly the same thing because um, by this point, that the opening match took place on on my last day at uni in the first year. So I was. It was now the summer holidays, and I was just absolutely free to watch whatever I wanted to. Um, and what happened was, I started doing that for the first couple of games. I would stay up late and watch them, hmm. and then very, very quickly realised that actually watching football till three, four in the morning every night, even though I didn't have to get up, it was just really tiring. <laughs> yes. And I think it, it got to. I think it was about like the third or fourth day when it was. I think it was someone like Bolivia versus I don't know someone else. I, I cannot remember who it was. Like I might have been the Bolivia South Korea game or something. And I just thought, 
I don't care. You know, I've, re- you know, I've, I've made it my mission to watch as me- much of it as possible. As possible. Yeah. And after about three or four days, I just had enough. It was like, no, I just really don't care who wins. <laughs> and as it turns out, I think it was nil-nil. It was an absolute god-awful game. Um, and I think, I think that was a game where they ended up. The ref ended up playing about fourteen minutes of of injury time or something. <laughs> right. So it went on for you know over a hundred minutes, and it was just crap. And I just <laughs> remember thinking the next day, I'm really glad I just got some sleep instead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you just you sort of think, yep, yeah, pick pick the right decision there. Um, one one thing that certainly helped me sway my um, decisions where it come, when it came to that sort of thing was, um, of course, the fact there was no England in the tournament. Uh, and to make matters worse, you then had to put up with um, the ITV coverage, which I think was fronted by Matthew Lorenzo in a bunker oh, God, somewhere yeah. in in America, which had a completely you would just, it, could, it could have been anywhere, it could have been in the shed uh, in the bottom of my garden. You know, you had no real identity with it, and it was just a bit odd. And uh, that kind of unfortunately, the the quality of that coverage uh, from ITV um, rather put me off. So yeah, as you say, I, I didn't bother kind of staying up late for that reason as much as anything else. Um, I think it. I think it was ninety four when I, th- I can't remember if it was on ITV. I think it might have been BBC where Bob Wilson was presenting. Mm, yes, and I really right. liked him. I, I thought he yeah. was really good. And then he just disappeared off presenting duties after that. But yeah, but the, the, the other thing I remember at ninety four, apart from all the sun, um, was was the. I think we've mentioned this before. Was the Adidas template kit that every oh, yes. sodding country had. Um, <laughs> I think I'm trying to think if uh, Ireland had it as well. I think they did as well. Yeah, Basically, yeah. every every team that played in Adidas had the same sodding kit, and it was just boring. Um, <laughs> to, to be technical, just to pull you up on a point, there was actually two different template kits, but they both featured the uh, the big three stripes in a you know in a very prominent way, but just slightly different one from the other. Just uh, do carry on. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin don't ruin my rant. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I think I mentioned it before. I think it was the quarterfinal Romania and. Um, oh, not the quarterfinal, the semi-final. It was, um, Sweden. Oh, I don't know. It was some, some. That's it. Sweden and Romania. Yeah. Um, and both of them were wearing. Both of them were wearing their away kit, which annoyed me. Um, and both of them were wearing the same crap template. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I don't care who wins this, as long as the kit dies. I don't. I, I don't I think that. Um, I'm, try, I'm trying to think. I, I, I think someone on uh, Twitter actually. I think one of the first responses we got to this. Um, let me just go back. Yeah, it was uh, Colin Crawford on Twitter that said um, uh, it has to be John Aldridge screaming blue murder at the fourth official in '94, which was comedy yeah. gold. That was. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, a little saying, Morris Setter there. Yeah, yeah. As, as I was saying, I was watching this. Uh, it was a uh, program that I recorded. Um, it was a Channel Four program in the UK. I think a few years ago. Um, you know, hundred greatest World Cup goals, uh, World Cup moments. I think it was. Um, and uh, yeah, that featured prominently in that and. Uh, yeah, John Aldridge just sort of saying that you know he's just sort of just lost it. Decided that you know all the officials were just the uh, the antichrist basically. <laughs> just like give them both barrels. Uh, yes. Um, no, actually, I have to say I don't, I didn't mind that Adidas template. Those Adidas template kits. They weren't too bad. There's just I think there were just too many of them. Really, I think that as we've sort of said before, the key to a good template kit design is it isn't uh, too exploited. And yeah, there were quite a few. It was Bulgaria, Ireland. Sweden, oh god, can't remember. Romania, quite a few, and of course, then Every- you. Sorry, go on. I was just say everybody, pretty <laughs> much everybody. Although intriguingly, uh, of course, in the final, Brazil got to the final wearing an Umbro kit, which I've always found the most yeah. strange thing. 
I don't know quite how they ever ended up getting the contract for that. But I mean, you no, know, well done I, d- to, well I didn't done like Umbro. that kit either. That no, was that wasn't very kit. good. No, <laughs> having said it, it was rubbish. But well done, Umbro, for getting the contract. E- exactly. Yeah, that was the one with the sort of like the badge sort of shadow printed a couple of times across yeah, it. Yeah, right. I didn't like didn't like that one. Um, <laughs> shame, shame, um, Umbro. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, Umbro, but you know, must try harder. Um, <laughs> But I, I mean, actually, speaking of the final, that was that was probably the worst. I mean, uh, mm. possibly the worst final ever was 1990, just because it was yes. so cynical. Mm. But at least it had a goal in it, you know, albeit by a dubious penalty. But yeah. like, of course, Brazil, bloody hell, you know, Brazil in Italy, it was oh man, that was horrendous. You know, just like, 120 minutes of utter crap. Yeah, you know, playing so, for time and, and gambling. The, the, the highlight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the highlight of it was when someone nearly scored and and it hit the post, and Paluka, the goalie, sort of turned around and kissed the post and smiled. Mm-hmm. It's just like if that's the highlight of a match, you know, that was dross. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it kind of set real. the precedent really for for bad sort of finals because uh, I think I was spoiled again by watching Mexico eight six my first one. The final for that was great because it was like. Mm five goals in it you know a team comes back from 2-0 down it really kind of mis- disillusioned me for football in general you know yeah. it was me expecting all the finals to be spectacular not realising that actually most finals are crap <laughs> indeed so yeah no you're yeah, I remember that, that final actually 86 yeah um, um, as you say for, for West Germany to come back to to two two from two 0 down. I was like, wow, this is just this is just the cherry on the cake for like the best tournament ever, um, and even and even a winning goal just to kind of snuff snuff their uh, chances out when they least expected it right at the very end. But um, I also remember that final. Here's another embarrassing. This is kind of like my version of you singing to the uh, Scottish uh, official song for the eighty two. Um, I had in eighty six. I still had my ZX Spectrum computer. And as I've mentioned on the blog site before, I do have something of a fondness for scoreboards of any kind. I don't know why, it's just the way they kind of, the method by which they display the score, whether it's on like, you know, turning a dial or a wheel or a digital display or whatever it happens to be. And so in my wisdom, I decided for the, for the final of the 86 World Cup, I would uh, create a very basic programme on the computer, which would display a scoreboard on my screen. And I would have that upstairs in my bedroom. And whenever somebody scored, I would run upstairs and press the appropriate button, designated button on the keyboard, and it would update the score. And um, and I just kept sort of up and down the stairs um, just to kind of update uh, the score whenever somebody scored. And it was, a, it was a completely pointless thing to do. But in my mind, I was updating the official scoreboard in the stadium or something, I don't know. But um, yes, let's move on, shall we? <clears throat> Were you not tempted to mess with it, though, and just put, like, you know, Germany 3 and just to see if it actually <laughs> affected the Azteca? <laughs> you know, I wish I had. I wish I'd done that. Uh, so but you, I think what. what what made it look nice was actually I'd done the flags you see on the screen in the because I had the there was only like an eight color palette on the spectrum but luckily all the colors I needed were there to do the Argentinian and the West German flag it was very nice it was a work of art anyway very well done very well done hasn't it Chris yes (laughs) Um, good boy (laughs) (laughs) yes I wasn't to waste my time doing anything like that again Um, no um, just you were talking about like the sunshine and all of that um, and Brazil that kind of takes me back to 82 because I just absolutely fell in love with Brazil during that World Cup. That was when I knew about the legend of Brazilian football because it's the minute they, I think the first match they played was against Russia. And and then after that, I think it was Scotland, then New Zealand. And it was just the the stuff they were doing. I mean, they were doing like step overs and volleys and direct free kicks, bloody scissor kicks. I mean, every single possible little trick in the book they were doing. And I just thought, 
this is this is amazing. This is this is the per- football perfection, and it's and for that reason, I had nothing but the utmost hatred for Italy when they knocked Brazil out in the next round. I just thought, how can you do that? How can you? Just completely eliminate this joyous team from the World Cup, especially after the start that Italy had had in the '82 World Cup, by just basically doing nothing for the first two matches. I think they were playing it was it Peru or something or Cameroon or wherever they were playing and like, drawing matches, yeah. scraping the odd goal here and there, and then you go and knock out Brazil. How dare you? God, hated it, Italy for years after that. <clears throat> anyway, yes. <laughs> Where were we? There's a lot of repressed memories coming out here. It's just like therapy. But the but yeah, but the thing is, in in the years that followed, if anyone was ever doing a retrospective of the '82 World Cup in a book or on TV, they would they'd have this very worthy approach of saying, um, "Well, you know that that Italy team that uh, knocked Brazil out were you have to admit they were a tremendous team to 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 knock out Brazil. They had to have been a particularly good team." I was like, "No, I'm sorry, I'm not having it." They were a lucky team on the day. Actually, they weren't a lucky team at all. Um, but I just thought no one had the right to knock out Brazil because they just they started off so well, and I desperately wanted them to go on and win the World Cup after that. And uh, as we know, sadly, it didn't happen. Uh, but there it is, another uh, faint hope dashed. Um, when '86 came around, um, they seemed to have not quite as um, fancy and, and flash a team as they had in '82, but it was still quite good. I remember Yosimar scoring against Northern Ireland, um, and I thought, oh, you know, little little flashback there to the the vintage Brazil teams of you know days gone by. But uh, on that occasion, of course, it was France and not Brazil out. So on, for that reason, they go into my black book as well. I'm certainly <laughs> building up a, a list of teams. Here. It was funny, but <coughs> excuse me. It was, it was funny because I went through uh, like a hat trick of supporting the wrong teams uh, for that. Because I watched that quarter final and I wanted Brazil to win, and yeah. they lost. Mm. And so in the next one, France versus West Germany in the semi final, I wanted France to win, and they lost. And in the final, I wanted West Germany to win because they because uh, Argentina knocked us out, and thus Germany lost. So it's like <laughs> I found that whatever team I supported at the World Cup generally would lose. So <laughs> it's all my fault. Sorry. <laughs> but no, it's interesting. Interesting you say that because. There's a similar thing, which I was going to mention, actually, about the 86 World Cup. And that is, you've sort of touched on this already, where um, you had Russia winning 6-0, as you said, against, was it Hungary, wasn't it, I think? Um, Then, so you're thinking, okay, great, I'll keep my eye on Russia, because clearly they're a big flair team. And then Denmark beat Uruguay 6-1, saying, brilliant, I'll keep my eye on Denmark. And then, of course, next round, Spain um, knock out Denmark 5-1. You think, I don't understand, the logic's just gone out the window. How can that happen? How can a team that won't win 6-1 and then be beaten 5-1? So you think, all right, I'll follow Spain now. Uh, meanwhile, Russia are getting knocked out in the second round by somebody. Belgium, I think, or somebody like that. Uh, or maybe it was Belgium knocked out Spain. And it was like I think whoever... it was Belgium knocked out Spain, yeah. Yes. And it was like whoever I, I then chose to follow <laughs> and then got knocked out in the next round. It was it's exactly the same principle. It's just I gave up after a while. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Um, I think it all led to kind of um, was it um, Spain beat Denmark, uh, Belgium beat Spain, Argentina beat Belgium, and then obviously Argentina won it. So that's that's kind yeah. of where it all ended up, as we know. No, no. What a weird world that is, where Belgium are in the semi-final of a World Cup. I know, I know. Mind you, mind you, 1994, Bulgaria mm. in the semi-final of a World Cup. Yeah. Actually, one of one of my final memories of um, 
of USA 94, apart from the awful final, was apart from the fact they didn't show the third place playoff match on telly, which is the oh, first yeah. time they hadn't done. Um, and in fact, it's the only time I think you know since in modern times because uh, they still show it now for God whatever reason. Um, but that was one where <coughs> Risto Stoichkov was on for getting the golden boot because I think he was on oh, six yes. goals, yeah. as was Oleg Selenko of Russia, having mm-hmm. banged in five against Cameroon in the in the final match. <laughs> Cheat, um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not supposed to do that. No, no, no. Um, and so. Uh, he was getting really frustrated. I think in the end, Sweden beat them four nil. So it was like they mm. absolutely got roundhoused. But um, <laughs> he, he, I just remember him in like the kind of the 80th minute, him having a tantrum in the in the penalty area because he'd failed to score yet again, and he just literally sat on the floor for a couple of minutes and pounded his fists on the pitch. It's like because he was so frustrated because he was like literally one goal away from getting the golden boot himself you know not having to share it with some Russian guy and it's like he was getting so frustrated and by the by the 90th minute he was he was literally stomping around doing nothing he was just like sulking on the middle of the pitch I think he, you know way to go out for World Cup losing 4-0 and not scoring that one goal because he'd been banging him in for fun up until that point that's right he had yes yeah he was very prolific wasn't he on the lead up to that, to that game yeah of course they showed the third place game the, the in the previous World Cup was England were in it so that was always going to be uh, <laughs> get, yeah. get a high priority but um, yeah, um, Shilton dribbling the ball out and losing it <laughs> oh yes do you know what in his final match <laughs> yeah well at least said about that the better probably um, yeah. the, the thing of course the other thing if you're talking about things that people often forget I, the one I remember from the semi-final where England got knocked out by West Germany was the um, the waddle long range shot that got tipped onto the bar yeah um, I just uh, I remember at the time sort of thinking oh, yeah that was that was just inches away from going in and, and funnily enough I think in the midst of time I think a lot of people have forgotten about that one but um, um, the other sort, thing- sort of out, sort of outshone by his other long range shot <laughs> <laughs> yes, are we talking about the penalty? Uh, I might bend. Yes. <laughs> um, you were talking earlier on about the '94 World Cup and staying up late. Um, I remember actually the 1986 World Cup when uh, well, England's matches basically because I think the kickoff in in sort of uh, British summertime would have been at about 11:30 or something like that at night. Uh, and I remember staying up for those, of course, the first two games that England made a complete hash of against Portugal and uh, Morocco. And I can remember the one the one where we finally made the breakthrough against Poland. I was staying up with my dad to watch that. And I say my dad wasn't much of a football fan, but for reasons best known to him, he, he decided to stay up and watch it with me. And, um, yeah, I was watching it on BBC and um, Barry Davis's kind of elated uh, commentary on that when when Lineker sort of scored and the goals that followed. I think one of those goals on the commentary track, you can hear Jimmy Hill laughing in the background as well, which is another little enduring memory of mine. So um, yes, um, what else we got? I think we're sort of heading towards the end. Although uh, the podcast, well, we've got, still got a bit of time, but we are going to try and cram in some of your uh, memories, ladies and gents, that you've been sending in. You've been very good to uh, uh, in, in replying to our appeal for your memories in fact let's let's just uh dip in and do one or two of them now shall we uh rich actually before we uh head why not in? i shall i shall go onto our facebook page as we speak and um the first uh the first response we had was from dave stevens hello dave if you're listening uh he said on the similar theme i remember england west germany that semi-final in 1990 sat in the front room of the old house Every time I see the highlights, I'm taken back to that little room in an instant. Um, again, yeah, absolutely. I can. It's funny when you're at home watching it; it's quite nice actually. Um, and he says, and that, um, and then the England against Tunisia match, France '98. He said, I had history at school, and obviously radios and TVs were banned, so I'd got 
my radio Walkman on under my sweater and ran the earphone cable up my sleeve. More, um, more, more audio hardware shenanigans coming up, I fancy. Um, so I could lean on my hand and hear the commentary. History teacher spotted what I was up to halfway through the match and ended up asking me what the score was, <laughs> which I thought was excellent. Um, I actually remember, I think I took the day off work for that England-Tunisia match. And again, sunshine. It was in Marseille, if I remember rightly. It seemed like yeah. a lovely, lovely stadium to play football in. I got electrocuted that day. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. Go on then, go on then. We need the story for this, go on then. Oh, I see you want me to follow that up. You don't yes, just want the yes. little tidbit there. Um, me and hanging. my dad were, um, uh, we were, I think, I can't remember what we did. We were renovating the upstairs of my house, uh, which involved taking all the carpet up. <clears throat> and when we um, took some of the floorboards up, there were some wobbly floorboards on my landing. Mm. Um, it's, it's an exciting anecdote, I swear. <laughs> um so we'd taken those up, and, and the, the electricity cables were running just right under the floorboards. Uh, so when we came to sort the floorboards out, we'd screw them all down. That was all fine, yeah. And then a bit later on, I was, uh, went, to the, went to the bathroom, and uh, I was washing my hands. And uh, just the way I was standing, I, I felt a slight tingle from the tap. And I turned the tap on, and then as soon as my hand hit the water, I got a massive shock. Ooh. I was what the hell? And then it turns out where my dad had screwed the um, the the, uh, the floorboard back down, just right in front of the toilet, um, he'd gone and screwed through, straight through the cable. So I happened <laughs> to have I happened to have my heel on the screw. Oh my god! And as soon as I touched the tap, I completed a circuit <laughs> and nearly died. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh, it's like an episode of DIY SOS. This is. Uh, uh, what else oh Daniel Burdett hello Daniel Uh, he says um, France versus versus Brazil Mexico 86 quarter final match in Guadalajara which we've already mentioned of course Uh, one of the best matches I watched he said uh, my first World Cup I saw as a child Uh, remember being allowed to stay up for the extra time and penalties too I remember penalty uh, penalty helps if I could read I remember Platini scoring in the match but missing a penalty in the shootout Socrates also had his penalty saved by Joel Bat's uh, classing match and uh, he very kindly gives us a link to the segment of the official 86 World Cup film uh, Hero which uh, covers that particular match so uh, thanks Daniel yeah um, I seem to remember all the penalties were just a, all went out of kilter you had people like Platini missing and Zico missing weren't they That's, if I remember rightly in the, uh, in the 86 yep. World Cup there was also one that apparently, and this is again a really ainly retentive fact here. Uh, one of the penalties was given, and it shouldn't have been, because it basically bounced off the post. Ah, yes, uh, another one. You I mean, think yes. it was. I think it was a France penalty. It bounced mm. off the post, and, and uh, uh, the goalie uh, Carlos uh, he'd dived, and it bounced off the post and hit his back and went in. That's right. Now apparently that shouldn't have been given because the ball has to continue its forward momentum. Absolutely it's not allowed right. to change direction. So. Yes, so there you go. <laughs> so I think France should never even Brazil should have won the eighty six World should've. Cup. There you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think remember that was kind of all discussed, or somebody um, probably again on, on you know, World Cup grandstand or something. And they they kind of decided they were going to look into that and get the rule book out, and uh, seem to remember they were having a bit of a heated uh, discussion about that. So yes, quite. Right. I've forgotten all about that one. Yes, technically not allowed. Um, and finally. Uh, yes, finally on our uh, Facebook page, um, a message from Scott Walkinshaw. Hello to you, Scott. Uh, he says, Argentina 78 um, was uh, his memory. Uh, Scotland in blue shirts and blue shorts with their red socks. Um, and he puts it in capital letters just to emphasise that. Blue shirts, blue shorts, red socks. Um, he said, the most beautiful kit. Then playing Peru, the greatest international shirt of them all. Was there ever a more aesthetically pleasing international fixture? Um, and uh, not only that, he says also foreign players, uh, foreign-looking players rather, socks rolled down, 
uh, top their ankles, shirts out over the shorts. Uh, yes, those continental types, they, uh, <laughs> their louche approach to football. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that blue-blue-red um, ensemble that Scotland wore for that particular match against Peru it was a very fetching, I think. It uh, stands up well. Um, yes. Um, so there we uh, go. So that was that was our Facebook uh, stuff. So thank you very much indeed to Dave, Daniel, and Scott. Uh, excellent stuff. Oh, and uh, over on Twitter, we had uh, a couple more sponsors. We had uh, uh, Rich Nelson, who is the person that's uh, actually helped us get this whole podcast onto iTunes. Hooray! So big thank, big thanks to Rich thanks, there. Rich. Um, he says the first game I remember was Denmark six Uruguay one in eighty six. Mm-hmm. He says, but Kanija getting fouled by Cameroon in nineteen ninety is his favourite. <laughs> I remember that. Took took three people to take him out though. <laughs> uh, see, and I think see, the third one was a sniper in the top two <laughs> <laughs> on the grassy knoll. I think it might be. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I just I remember that game that I mentioned it earlier on the, the Cameroon Argentina thing. I thought this is really awful. The fact that Cameroon are taking such an aggressive approach, and yet. On the other side of the coin, they're just doing it in such a flamboyant way, <laughs> in a kind yes, of unabashed yes. way. The thing is, I don't think there was—I don't think there was anyone outside of Argentina that actually watched that and, and didn't think fantastic. <laughs> Get as Kanija, in, as Kanija did four three hundred and sixty degree <laughs> yeah. spins in midair. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing was as well is that I think it was the it was the Cameroon guy actually lost his boot in that that's challenge because right. the boot flew off and everyone assumed it was probably Canegis. No, it was the guy that tackled him. Yeah, that's right. And then the referee was like, "Get your boot on, and once you've got it on, I'm either booking you, or I'm <laughs> yeah. sending you off. But hurry up and get your bloody boot on." Yeah. This this boot is made for walking off the pitch. <laughs> is is not what he said. Um, <laughs> Um, and the final one we got from Twitter was Andrew Rockall, who has the great uh, Twitter name of Stato74. Um, it says his first memory was Schumacher destroying Patrick Battiston in, in, 80, in the 82 semi-final. And he said, but best was getting the Lopez Ufart sticker in Espana 82. <laughs> I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. It could be Ufarte. But it I, is. I it know. is Ufarte. I'm, I'm reliably oh, informed. There you go, <laughs> I preferred Ufart, but you know, <laughs> as I'm sure he did. <laughs> I think I had that sticker actually in my Panini... Uh, Espana 82 collection. Yes, it's a, it's a name that stands out. Um, yes, indeed. No, good memories, actually. Uh, thanks very much indeed, everybody, for your uh, for your reminiscences. Um, we've got time for a little bit more. I think before we go, um, one thing that I remember, actually, from 82 is that um, I had a Subutio wall chart, but it's not. I'm not talking about the kind of full-colour wall charts that you see with all the kits and the accessories on. Um, I got this... It was more of a poster, really. Um, and I, I don't know if I got it in a boxed set or something like that, but it was it was predominantly green. It was like a two-colour two print, uh, a green wall chart, and it had, uh, obviously, all the sort of spaces that you would get for writing in all the fixtures, all the team names and the results and stuff like that. And I can remember after the 82 final finished, going up to bed and looking at my wall chart, thinking, well, that's that then. Filled that in. That, won't be doing that anymore. Um, I can still see that um, that poster up on my wall now. Ah, memories. Um, so there's there's another one from '82, um, and a, and, a, and a good one. I must mention. I I think the very first podcast that we did, I mentioned a friend of mine called Martin Lewis, uh, who I hung around with back in the day, from about sort of '86 onwards, it would have been. And I can remember, <laughs> sorry, Martin, if you're listening to this, I'm going to embarrass you again, probably. Um, we were sitting next to each other in a classroom at school. Eastbury Comprehensive School, there's another name check, and I think this must have been about a week before the World Cup was going to start, and um, I remember we were having a discussion about who we thought was going to win the World Cup, and he said to me, who, who, who are you going for? I sort of said, you know, predictably, oh, Brazil, um, 
and explain my reasoning. And he said, I think, he said, Uruguay. Now, okay, let's all have a good laugh at that one uh, with, the, with the benefit of hindsight and their kind of a, aggressive approach and you know, getting, getting men sent off after two minutes against Scotland and all that. But, see, at the time I was really impressed because, I, I mean, personally speaking, I didn't really follow the world game. I didn't buy world soccer. I didn't, you know kind of read loads of stuff about international football and when he said Uruguay I just thought oh, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about and for for a while I was sort of in you know quiet awe in uh, you know of his knowledge supposedly and then of course three weeks later I was able to laugh at him because they got eliminated in the first round so there we are but I remember him picking Uruguay yes um ever done any um re- re- predictions you later regretted Rich? Um, only I uh, think for the I think when uh, I think it was the 2002 World Cup we had a a prediction sort of league at work mm-hmm. and I am notoriously bad at these sort of things <laughs> I just get them hopelessly wrong so uh, it was one of those ones where you had to predict every single match all right and I I'm just terrible at them so I think I ended up finishing like second bottom or something so you know damn <laughs> World Cup <laughs> didn't fall for that one again <clears throat> no still well clear of those things yeah. Ah dear. Well, I think that's it. Have you got any more? Anything? Any other memories you want to dredge out before we go there, Rich? Um, I, the only thing, the other thing I was going to mention was just about all the different balls they've had throughout the World Cup, oh, and yes. how one of my biggest disappointments ever was um, 2002. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to say that when they when they finally ditched the tango variants and they came out with the Ferva Nova or Fever Nova, whatever the hell it was, that bag of crap. <laughs> Polished gold Sorry, crap, if, if you don't Yeah, it was horrible. It was this kind of insipid sort of vomit gold colour. That, that's an official shade of vomit gold. With a ninja um, death star face you, on it. If you've been overdosing on gold the night before, that's what clear vomit is. <laughs> and it was kind of this greeny, insipid, yellowy yeah. gold colour. It was just... It was... It, it wasn't a tango is my point it wasn't an adidas no. tango I'm sorry there's just no excuse for that well, it, it wouldn't have been so bad if they'd have ditched tango for something better but they clearly just yeah exactly nah. I mean the team geist plus or whatever it was that they had in in 2006 was alright yeah and what did they have oh they had the Jabalani yeah yeah that's, that's not mine <laughs> Let's not go into that one. The balloon. Is a, oh, let's have a. That's another thing, isn't it, about World Cups? Let's have a debate about the ball every single mm. time a World Cup comes around. Mind you, next time we're going to have the debate about technology because they're going to use it, yes, aren't they? Of course. Yeah. Well, or not, as the case may be. Isn't are they not using it now? No, I'm just, saying, I'm, just, again. I'm just saying. Knowing, knowing the way things are, there probably won't be any instances where the ball kind of <laughs> yeah, does probably, or doesn't yeah. cross the line. So fork out all that money and then not use the damn thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it's funny actually. We just uh, you just sparked off a, a quick memory of mine um, from the two thousand two World Cup. Um, again, a place I was working at at the time because of the fact that the World Cup was in Asia and the time difference back to the UK. Um, that first game um, was it Senegal and France? Would that would have been? I suppose. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was kind of working in a like an IT IT support kind of division if you like of the of the organization i was at at the time and they had this big air-conditioned uh, machine room and um some guy that worked on the night shift in his wisdom decided he was going to bring in his portable tv and put it in there so that when he was kind of working at like nine o'clock at night he could just go in there and you know have a sleep and watch a bit of football or a film that was on at the night or whatever and um so i was at work during the daytime when the 2002 world cup was on 
uh, was was starting rather and somebody said to me oh we've got a tv in that room just go in there it might be a bit noisy because of all the air conditioning and all the machines and the servers and everything whirring but you know it's a tv you can you know, it's probably the only tv we've got in the building so um, just sneak in there when no one's looking and watch a bit of the football oh, okay fine and of course then you end up seeing the um the strange um course of events that resulted in senegal peeing all over france essentially and um and, and the surprise of that it was a bit like on a par with uh, cameroon beating argentina for for Im- impact at least so um yes forgot all about that one yes there's, there's one last thing i wanted to mention actually which hmm. was that the world cups have actually provided my two favorite pieces of commentary of all time mm-hmm. uh, the first one being um maradona's second goal against england in 86 <laughs> not the commentary from the telly but it's the one from the radio and i think i've Matt. mentioned this on twitter before yes. it's the i cannot uh, off the top of my head think of the guy's name is it Byron Butler but or something the, like that it's, it's the commentary that's actually on the official World Cup film as well yes. it's the one where he talks about a squat little man little <laughs> eel and everything it's just a fantastic bit of commentary because it's just so descriptive and just the way he builds up to the goal but he doesn't go mental when no. he scores the goal either he just keeps it restrained and it's just such a perfect piece of commentary to me it's like it's you know it describes everything you're seeing with absolute perfection but without going over the top in a ridiculous jonathan pierce sort of way <laughs> sorry i'm oh, going down no. that road again but the second one yeah. is is the one and i'll actually i'll quote it but i won't do it in the same excited style and it's the one that goes dennis bergkamp dennis bergkamp <laughs> dennis bergkamp dennis bergkamp <laughs> that is a perfect bit of commentary as well. Obviously, like I say, I've kind of removed the emotion from it, so it loses something in translation. Oh, but yes. that, it was when he scored his goal against Argentina. It Again, to me, that is... Yeah. Where, that, that, to me, is pure commentary, because it's someone genuinely getting excited, not faking it, not putting any ridiculous kind of you know emphasis on it, because they think they're going to score. That was literally someone watching a game, mm. almost like not believing what they were seeing. And it's just, to me, that is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, they, I know exactly what you meant on the first one. You mentioned um, I don't know if the guy's name is Byron Butler. Um, used to yes, be a, yes. Um, I think he used to be on like Radio Two when back in the day when Radio Two used to have sports uh, cover sports events and things. And um, yeah, I seem to remember um, as you say they they used that clip on the official FIFA World Cup film, and he he sort of starts off saying and uh, you know, Maradona he's gone round a player and he's and he's into the area and then when as you say when the ball goes in and he says something like and that is just about the most amazing goal you will ever see in a World Cup and his his tone of voice just <laughs> goes constant it just doesn't go up yeah but there's this little you can t- you can detect the excitement in his voice yeah um, just because there's a little wobble I think yeah. he says that's why Maradona is the best player in the world yeah and when he says world there's a little wobble in his voice and it's just you can just detect that he's genuinely excited by what he's seeing but he's restraining it yes. but not kind of artificially it's just that's his style and it was yeah. just to me and it, like I say it was so descriptive but not in a sort of ridiculous Stuart Hall way either <laughs> it was just it was absolutely perfect mm. you know but anyway well, I'm, I'm eulogising again <laughs> no that's that's basically what we're here for I think anyway Rich and on, on, on that note I think that's a good positive uh, note on which to uh, draw the podcast to a close so um, indeed and that that's why this podcast is the bad podcast isn't the world <laughs> <laughs> ah brilliant even if i did just to say if, even if i did just say podcat <laughs> well, you, you have typos in what you say but i mean that's a yeah. strange <laughs> affliction um anyway Ladies and gents, um, we strongly welcome you to uh, send through any more of your memories or any more of your thoughts uh, on the World Cup. We'd love to hear from them and we'll try and either mention them on the next podcast or we'll try and put them up maybe on a blog post or something like that. Um, If you want to contact us about anything uh, relating to the the football attic, 
uh, or football nostalgia generally, there are various places you can contact us uh, by email. It's um, admin at thefootballattic.com. Uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash thefootballattic. Um, blog site is www.thefootballattic.com. And on Twitter, we are at footballattic. And um, if you drop us a line there or get in touch with us, we will do our very best uh, not only to reply to your message, but also uh, to uh, broadcast it to a, a wider audience that other people can join in too, because uh, that's what it's all about, after all. Um, anyway, Rich, great to be talking to you once again, and um, basically we'll get together and do another podcast sometime soon. We know not when, but at least you can be sure it'll be on iTunes from now on. That's, uh, that's uh, some sort of progress we've made. So um, thanks again, Rich, and uh, ladies and gents, we'll speak to you again soon. Until next time, from the two of us, it's goodbye. Goodbye.